Hey LA, Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. Immerse yourself in our vibrant fashion scene where exclusive streetwear meets high-end boutiques. Stroll through styles defining our bold, wildly creative city, like the unique finds at Melrose Trading Post, a real LA gem. Explore star-studded experiences on Hollywood Boulevard, behind-the-scenes studio tours, and moments of awe under our legendary blue sky. Picture this. The iconic Griffith Observatory, inspiring directors worldwide. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's the time to leave your mark in the city of angels. Lance Bass is adding off. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Frosted Tips with Lance Bass, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello, my little peanuts. It's me, your host, Lance Bass. This is Frosted Tips with me, Lance Bass, and my lovely co-host, Michael Durgin, Durgin Durgin right here. Sorry, I thought you were going to say know, my name again. Should Should I wait for you to answer or should I introduce you? I don't know. what is that rude not to say your name? No. Yeah, maybe you should just say it. I just it. like and people I listen say, hey. to that beautiful voice. Well, I, 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 would, I will acknowledge that. And I like after. how you say turkey turchin. Turkey turchin. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations on your LA art show showing. Thank you. Um, that's why you're Michael Turchin Art on Instagram. That's right. People, a lot of people think my last name's Turchin Art. Turchin Art. And I'm like, nope. But no, he is a pop artist just like me, but in a different realm. Oh, God, you're <laughs> funny. <laughs> so uh, your LA art show was a major success. You yeah, sold out great. of everything, which was crazy. Um, and I like the new stuff that you did because you got into this, well, I have a love-hate relationship. It's a with very you. much yeah. a love-hate. For you me too. found glitter. I know. Now, his stuff is amazing. It's pop art. It is. It's incredible. And tons of people buy your stuff. I mean, all, you know. Big, big celebrities have them in their homes. Oh, stop. Lance. Yes. You're, you're a, yes. Celebrities seek you out. That's right. Uh, but you found uh, <laughs> glitter. I did find glitter. And it's really cool because I like things that sparkle. And when it's on a wall and you put right lighting in it, it is just gorgeous. But it's I'm, my paintings now are they're not even painting. They're glittering. I yeah, guess you'd call it takes them. you forever. Well, to it's do just it. glitter. I use just glitter yeah. to do the so whole entire piece. Now, do you, but you do paint. No. 
an outline first? No. So no you pain. just literally I draw with, with a pencil. I draw out what I'm going to do, and then I paint with glue and then pour glitter. And I this do everything twice mixing over. Mixing colors. I know. Y'all, so you, you can, can mix colors course, with glitter. He does all this in, in the kitchen. I don't have a designated area, okay? This has been a... The crux of my whole art career. Um, like they say, glitter is the herpes of the art world. And it is the herpes of our home. Uh, our babies have it all in their head. I'm not like, herpes, this is not glitter. Good. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm like, this could get in their eyes. This is going to cut their eyeballs. Yeah, it's uh, everywhere. It's everywhere. Our, our little babies sparkle. In fact, I mean, I see it on your face right now. You can't. It will not go away. Don't try to dull my shine. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, if you come to our house, you're going to leave with glitter. And I thought I'd gotten rid of that with Giggles because Giggles used to wear glitter oh, when gosh, we first started working too. together almost 16 years ago, 17 years ago. And she just Everywhere. She would, like, put body glitter on, just, mm -hmm. like, do the groceries, like, yeah. run an errand. She'd and, give you a hug and be like, oh. And it would just jump onto me. Just, it was always on me. Well, They're like, oh, you've been around Lisa. Well, that's what I'm here for, man. Yeah. And then she stopped, thank goodness. And then you fall into this glitter Era listen, listen. Art. It's 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 it looks good. So I'm gonna uh, keep doing it. Yeah, it, it looks really good. It's worth it, especially when you sell out the LA Art Show. Wow. Yeah. Um. All right, we have Brad Fischetti on the show today. We do. Uh, I'm excited to have an Elif uh, LFO member on because we went on the Pop 2000 tour together. Yes. He's still on the Pop 2000 tour. Um. But I mean, as if you don't know, uh, the other two members of the band have passed away. Yeah. Um. Very sad story, and and his. His tribute to them in the on the in the concert is just very moving, and I don't see how he does it every night because he comes off that stage just worn out, drained, like yeah. just really drained from this. It takes him a moment to kind of get his composure again, and that's every night. I can imagine. I mean, you're. I mean, I mean, your whole your whole band is passed away, and yeah. in a matter of within a decade too. And Rich was a long time coming. You know, it took him five years, and I think he went to remission one time and whatever. Yeah. But Devin. Was just I think it was feel like it was overnight. Yeah, and I don't even know what kind of cancer no. it was. I, I'm going to learn that for the first time on the show. I'm just interested to hear because, like, I've heard so many stories about Brad from you, but like, you're never really sure if it's the right story. Like, yeah. he started off with Lou Perlman's limo driver, is right. what I always hear. But like, how did that even come about? Exactly. And yeah, I'm just yeah. Yeah, I feel we like you've never of... really known. The true origins. No, I don't. And Brad was there from the very beginning. His brother was the vice president of Transcon. You know, he knew Lou before us. So yeah. he kind of he he had the front row view to the creation of the Backstreet Boys, watching us get together, then getting in a group. We all went to Germany together. Yeah. Um, I knew his girlfriend very well from Mr. President. There was, you know, a, there was a lot. I mean, we've, we've lived a lot of life together, but yet not didn't really get to know each other that well. Yeah. Because, you know, they were a hip-hop group, and we were, like, a real boy band, so, you know, their yeah, cred would go down if band. they were hanging with us. Oh, yeah, you'll, you you would definitely ruin their street cred. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lance. But I, I do miss Rich. Rich was such a character. What a good dude. He was so funny. So funny. Yeah. Um, all right, before we get Brad on the show, uh, what happened this week? Oh, you know what we're doing? This is really fun. We what, like, what are we doing? We like design. We do. We love, like, we're going through a whole house design because of COVID. We actually ended up loving our house. So we're like, you know what? Let's redo this. We're going to yeah, recreate let's... a place we enjoy to live in. Um, so we've been doing it at our house, but uh, we're having fun with our club, Heart and Rocco's, because it needs a little zhuzhin. It, 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 
the club itself, especially Heart. I mean, it's new. It's no, great. that one's nice. I'm talking but about the, Rocco's. Yes, but yeah. but the green room. That's what we're talking about with Heart. Yes, there's a so, whole green room. That's yeah. Heart has this, you know, gorgeous green room. So we have performers come in. That's where we had the uh, the tribute concert with yeah. Backstreet Boys and everyone. Uh, we've had Lizzo, Cardi B, Lil Nas X, um, uh, Kim Petra, Sam Smith. Everyone has hit that stage, but the dressing room is so. Ugh. It yeah, and I go in there and I'm like this bathroom is horrible. It's, it's everything's a, just not good. So as an artist, I'm like I have to create something that these artists want to come back to. I know, and I walked into it like the other day. I hadn't even actually seen the bathroom, and I'm like, why? There's it's, like dirt footprints well, all over the floor. And there's a shower chamber. from the 1970s that just takes up most of the bathroom that no one showers in. No one showers in, but it's very dirty inside of it's it. It's nasty, it's disgusting, disgusting. And dressing rooms are disgusting. They yeah, just are backstage just just disgusting but i'm not going to feed that beast anymore don't i'm gonna make a nice i'm gonna make what who says that make, make it, it nice, nice. so we're gonna make it nice uh so it's been fun because now we're picking out wallpaper there's this really what's the wallpaper as called aztec it's amazing the company that's we all, love okay oh. If you go into our house, we kind of went wallpaper crazy. It's a bit psychotic. It's a little psychotic. It's psychotic. Because we did it in like different, we did three months, we do this, the next three months. And then at the end, we're like, crap, we've wallpapered every single wall in our it's house. It's true. And we don't really like look at the wallpaper we have when we pick the yeah. other wallpaper and we're going to get. being blue. So yeah, they all look kind of the same color, but like none of them go. No. But like. But it works somehow. I'm just, yeah, we're, that's our aesthetic. Yeah. It, it, we're just, we're that crazy house. Let's get to our guest, shall yeah, we? Because no one this? wants to hear us talk. We want to hear from Brad Vachetti, which I'm super excited Me again. Me too. Because, again, I don't really know the full story of LFO. I, I met Brian and Rich, the original two, uh, when they came down to Orlando. I forget there was an original. Yeah. Because I only know They Devin. were like best friends. Yeah. I mean, th- and for years they were together as, you know, Devin came later on. Yeah. Uh, but Carrie Settlers, our, our girl Carrie is my, my roommate and she started with us with NSYNC October 1st, 1995. This is her friends. I don't even remember how they were friends, but she brought down and I think they, they stayed in our house. They totally crashed with us just to get to meet Lou Pearlman to see if they would, he would sign them. And we were champion. We're like, yes, like sign these guys. They're so fun. So Never you're heard them. saying that you started LFO's career. I am 100% saying that I started LFO's career. Wow. Yeah, that is going to be on my tombstone. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I know. Those are That's going to be it. words. All right. All right. Add that to Wikipedia now. <laughs> I would hate to read my Wikipedia page. I'm sure it's real true. We'll do that on another show. I'm just going to go oh, through and yeah, read Oh, yeah, we excerpts. should. You know what? We should do that with all the guests because Wikipedia is wrong a lot. Sometimes, yeah. And we should go through because, you know, I do an opening of, you know, the little bio that we find probably on Wikipedia. Yeah. And half the time the guests are like, no, no. Like, huh? No. That's not true. No, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. All right. Uh, let's get to Brad. <laughs> Hey LA, Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. From epic shopping to nonstop pride events, discoverla.com is your gateway to everything LA. From walk-up windows and rooftop bars to year-round alfresco dining, Los Angeles is a culinary thrill ride sure to leave visitors hungry for more. From tacos to sushi, we truly have some of the best restaurants. 
After you get a bite to eat, get a taste for fame firsthand by attending a star ceremony on Hollywood Boulevard or a glimpse behind the scenes at World Famous Studio Tour. Stop and see a movie at the iconic El Capitan Theater and check out the stairs outside the Dolby Theater where all the stars walk before the Oscars. Take a hike at Glamorous Griffith or stop for a boba or a draft cold brew at an outdoor cafe perfect for people watching. There are endless amounts of outdoor activities in L.A. with our beautiful weather. And, of course, Pride is celebrated every day in Los Angeles. Everyone is welcome to experience our sparkling nightlife, indulgent spas, and sensational shopping. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's time to leave your mark in the City of Angels. Lance Bass, signing off. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Turkey, so let's get to it. Brad Fischetti, born in New York City, New York. He is a singer, guitarist, actor, best known for being a founding member of the pop hip-hop band LFO since 1995. What a good year. 95. Do you remember what you were doing in 95? Yeah. How I old was, are you, two? I was eight years old. Eight years old. I was eight oh, years old. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, the band hit the scene in 1999 with the smash hit Summer Girls, which is Turkey's favorite, from their debut album, uh, self-titled album. The band went on hiatus in 2002, and in 2009, Elfo, they regrouped for a reunion tour. And although it was short, Brad said it was perhaps the closest they have ever been as a group. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Brad Fischetti from Elfo. Welcome to Frosted Tips, my man. How are you? 
Good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to be able to see you, and we're going to be able to catch up. Because yeah. a lot of things I don't really remember from the LFO days. My my brain is so <laughs> – I don't remember shit anymore. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm excited to have you on the show because there's so much I don't uh, know about your band. So we're all going to learn together. But let's start from the beginning, Mr. Brad Fischetti. You were born in New York City. Um, where in New York did you grow up? So I was born in New York City, Lenox Hill Hospital in Manhattan, and mm -hmm. um, grew up in, started in Queens yeah. until I was about seven or eight. And then we moved out to New Jersey, into the suburbs of New Jersey, a town called Mawa, which yeah. most people think is not like a real town, right? The name yeah. like Mawa. But, uh, <laughs> I like it. So, you know, yeah, I grew up like in a very suburban um, New Jersey town uh, from the time I was eight till I was 18. Mm -hmm. Nice. Now, when you were in school, did you know that you wanted to be a performer? Like, what was what was little Brad doing? No, little Brad wanted to be a baseball player. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, I know a lot of kids, um, you know, are singing in the church choir or the school choir or trying out for the school plays. Like, my mom would have to like she had to force me to try out for the school plays and the musicals and things like that. It just wasn't. I love music. You know, specifically, mm -hmm. I was into rap as a, as a kid, but mm -hmm. uh, baseball was really like my focus, baseball and, and mm -hmm. basketball and football. But um, and then, you know, growing up in a small town like that, I don't know about you. I think I know you're kind of from a small town, too. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you don't there's not a lot of back then. There wasn't a lot of people like. Trying to be in a music group, you know, it was like. You know, I think there was one guy I knew of that, that had ever, like, recorded something, you know, yeah. in the town. Whereas I think if you grow up in, like, Boston or New York City, there's a lot of that going around. But in a small town in New Jersey, it just didn't even seem like something that was even possible. I know. I feel like growing up in a small town, especially back then, you weren't even really allowed to dream because it just it just didn't seem possible at all. But, yeah, all these other yeah. cities where you had examples of, of people that have made it from Boston, made it from, you yeah. know, Memphis, whatever. Uh it was just i just felt like it was just easier for someone in a bigger city no one was looking at a small town i mean it's true like i grew up in miami beach and i had friends that were like on in movies when oh, i was yeah. like in you know like fifth grade and i had like friends going on to do stuff so yeah. it was like it was always like on the periphery for me, right even though i, never I remember it. there was this one kid in my class denman anderson yeah and he uh he booked a movie and this is i'm like how do you know how to book a movie like i didn't know where do you where do you learn that there's an audition for something happening? And I remember exactly. in every sixth or seventh grade, I don't know, uh, he got what was the uh, Huckleberry Finn movie with Elijah Wood. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. And I thought he was going to become the biggest actor ever because he was the only one in our town that did anything. I mean, he's going to be a huge movie star. But he ended his acting career at that point. Um, yeah, but, you know, in my town, I think in my town, the biggest deal was a girl who was like, she was like in the Sunday circular for like a toys ad. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that was like yeah. a huge deal. You know what I mean? She did like a Barbie commercial in the, in the right. Sunday circular, you know? Yeah. And even like Joey Fatone, you know, he's from uh, Bensonhurst. Uh, he was, you know, he could easily just be an extra. I forget what movie he first did. Uh, Once Upon a Time in America, I think he did that movie. But he was really? just, you know, an extra in the background. Uh, but they had all these opportunities for kids to, you know, see how a movie's made. Uh, that, you know, no one was filming in Ellisville, Mississippi. <laughs> just just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> wasn't happening in Mawa, New Jersey either. Yeah. So tell us about the family. Uh, how many brothers and sisters? Like, what was it like growing up in your household? 
You know, my family is kind of interesting because um, between my mom and my dad, I'm the only one. So when my mom married my dad, she, he had two kids already. So I had two older brothers yeah. um, that are like 12 years older, one of which you know, Bobby. Yeah, and then after they got divorced, my mom got remarried and had my little brother when I was like 12. So I have three three brothers, but it was never like, uh, you know, four guys growing up in the same house, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, your brother Bob was, um, I don't know, what was his official title at Transco? Was he vice president? I don't even know. You know, it's like, he, he you know, it started when he Bobby was working for Lou's Blimp Company, Airship, right. up in New York. Okay. And then... Um, you know, when they moved, when Lou moved the company down to Florida, uh, I guess we're jumping ahead here, but yeah, you know, that's kind of how, that's kind of how, uh, how, part of how my story, story happens. But yeah, so I don't even know what his title was, uh, you know, before uh, Transcon went down, but yeah maybe vice president of something or other. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I always <laughs> loved your brother. He was just so fun. Uh, he was one of the first people I met in Orlando when we signed with transcontinental, uh, because we were kind of hidden from the label, you know, cause the Backstreet boys couldn't know about us. So we were called yeah. B five on the records, but, uh, your brother, Bob, uh, and Lou are pretty much the only ones that we could talk to <laughs> and yeah, knew about I, us. Yeah. Um, I, but, I remember, I remember being in, in meetings with, with Lou and, and Johnny when that whole thing was going down. Yeah. And it was very, very interesting, but yeah, so, head again. No, I want to talk about this because your perspective is so interesting to me because yeah, you yeah. were there at Transcon when all this was happening. You had moved to Orlando, you know, Lou had well, let's, brought- let's, Yeah, let's, let's back up a little bit because okay, there's yeah. a couple of interesting stories between you and me that you, you might not even know about. Oh, tell me. So, so, so you know, I'm, I'm a teenager and I would come down to Florida and visit my brother, right? My brother, Worked for Lou, started with the Bloom Company. Then uh, Lou moved to offices to Florida. And then Lou went to a New Kids on the Block concert. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, he, he just saw dollar signs everywhere. Yep. And he decided, I'm going to start a boy band. Now, meanwhile, you know, I'd come down and visit. At the time, they just started Backstreet Boys. So, you know, we're all 15, 16 years old, swimming in Lou's pool. You know, every, the things you did back then, right? Mm -hmm. You go to the house swim in the pool you go to the movies you go to dinner you play putt putt all that kind of stuff you know yeah. and then um when i was 18 my mom told me we were moving to texas and that was like a, ma a massive culture shock from going from you know suburban new jersey to dallas texas yeah. and um so i went because i had a little brother and i was helping take care of him but i really wasn't happy i was interested in pursuing a career in the entertainment business and my brother knew that and he was always fascinated with the fact that I could rap, you know, and back then, you know, in the early nineties, rap was not mainstream, you know, mm -hmm. and certainly wasn't in the suburbs very much. And so at one point he said, Hey, why don't you just move to Orlando and you can pursue your career here? You know, Lou's, Lou's got this uh, Backstreet Boys and are starting to make waves and this, this would be a better place for you to pursue your career. So, I told my mom one day, I said, listen, I'm moving to Florida to be a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> how did she take that? <laughs> yeah, you can imagine how that went down. Yeah, but, it's every know, mom's dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what's what's funny, Lance, is um, I, I was I was still working at this restaurant in Dallas, and I had a pager at the time. And back then, it was like mostly drug dealers that had pagers. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, you know, but I had a pager for legitimate reasons. And, and um, I got a page from Lou's number. Right. So 
I remember I was sit, I was serving a table and and I was already getting ready to move there, but I hadn't moved yet. And I was I was waiting on a table. My pager starts going off. I'm like, oh guys, I promise you, I'm not a drug dealer, right? So <laughs> I go to the payphone. I pop in a quarter, right? And and this was this was uh, the early days of when when Insync was put together. And he goes, I, I you know, he picks up the phone and goes, hey Brad. I go, what's up, Lucas? Can you sing bass? And I go. <laughs> I don't, I can't, I'm a rapper. Like, I, I have no idea. I start, he goes, hold on. He puts Robin on the phone. You're the, uh, the old folk. I Were swear. you trying to take my job? And, and she goes, <laughs> all right, let's, let's hear it. And I had no idea what to do. So I go, <clears throat> I go, Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh. That, you know, my gosh, that was so funny, man. So I guess in a way I, I tried out for insane. Yeah, that, I never knew that because yeah, That's Joey's okay. friend had dropped out the bass singer. They were looking for a bass. Definitely yeah. makes sense that he would be coming to you, Robin Wiley. For those that don't know, was our our everything, our vocal coach. I mean, she's the one who gave us our harmonies, our sound. Um, yeah. And do you do you don't want to know what my audition song was with Robin? Was old Man River, that <laughs> old man river. <laughs> Yeah, Think about a little sixteen-year-old skinny kid singing "Old Man River" for an audition, Mississippi. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was good times, good times. Well, um, you know, it's funny. So, so you know, I moved down there, right? Here's another funny story about our connection. Um, when I first moved there, I just it was my job. I was just like working for Lou while I was trying to figure out what to do, right? So I'm driving his limo, like twenty years old, never driven a driven limo, filling his refrigerator. And you remember Lou, like his refrigerator, it had to have certain yeah. things martinelli's mm-hmm. apple juice in the glass bottle mm-hmm. zephyr hills bottle of water yoohoo and there had to be at least a hundred of each of them in the refrigerator yes. and organized yes organized mm-hmm. the same same thing went with like his uh even like his toiletries like if he liked this one cologne he had to have eight or nine of them you know uh, what i, mean? like he I just, can i can still smell Lou me too man me too. It was, is it gautier him. what was it john paul gautier no, or something i forget no, what it was it wasn't. i don't yeah. i think it, Still was it I don't know, but I don't every time know. I pass by somebody, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> anyway, so, 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 you know, you know, I'm picking out his clothes for him too, because, you know, he's colorblind and just whatever, you know, go. I'm just, I'm just driving his limo. I'm just learning. I'm just there. And so one day he goes, I need you to go to the airport and pick up Lance's parents. And I had just moved to Florida, you know what I mean? Mm. So I go and I pick up your parents. <laughs> I guess you, you must have been already here. Yeah. And I picked them up. They flew in from Mississippi, right? And I'm driving, and you know, for anybody that's in Orlando, the airport's maybe 20, 30 minutes from where Lou lives, right? right? So I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm driving, and I'm like driving for like 45, 50 minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> and then I see a, I see a sign that says Daytona Beach. 20 oh my miles, god! Right? <laughs> <laughs> so you, I don't know if you remember, but he had that car phone in the limo, so I picked up the car right. phone. Uh, I still remember the phone number, and I called my brother. I said, "Hey, man." I think I'm lost, you know. And dude, it it took like it probably two hours to get back. But your parents had no idea because they had never uh-huh. been there before. So I don't think they suspected <laughs> that that uh, you know. That is lost, so but... funny because I know the story, but I had no idea you were the driver because my parents yeah. did notice that <laughs> they got lost. They're like, I don't no. think it takes this long to you know get to Orlando. <laughs> uh, but I thought y'all might have you might have gone to Tampa instead of Orlando, just taking you know. The West way. That's um, funny. But that's so funny. But, you know, it was those early days when I was kind of like just driving Lou and shadowing Lou that 
mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of got an early glimpse to that whole drama that you mentioned where, you know, you guys were started, you guys had the house, Johnny was was involved, and it was just the whole, like, you know. I, and I think back then, too, Lance, like, there was so much, uh, like, drama that was created of as course. opposed to, like, I guess, you know, it's like, these days we're all like, Hey, what's up? You know, we, yeah. There's plenty of love to go around, but back yeah. then it didn't seem that way. And so no. I remember being in, being in meetings where they're like, all right, what do we do? How do we handle this and that? But, but, um, and I remember, I think it was, it might've been the, you guys did some sort of, um, it wasn't like a show show, but it was like a filming over there that, what was that, that club the, called? The Pleasure Island? Pleasure Island. Yeah. We did it at uh, the beach club. That was our the beach club. Um, Baja beach club. Yeah, they were putting a big EPK package together, and that's yeah, where yeah, we yeah. filmed that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that was cool. And then, um, you know, I remember, you know, as far as how like the music started for 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 my part for LFO, you know, like I told you, I'm down there just working for Lou, and I'm at his house one day, and the doorbell rings, and it was Rich and Brian, the guy who used to be uh, in LFO, and I think Carrie Sellers had connected them. Um, yep. They, yep. they had heard about what Lou was doing. I had no idea they were coming. And, you know, Lou brings us into the game room. Remember the game room with like C3PO and R2D2 and Star yeah. Trek and the laser disc player, you know? And he's like, hey guys, you know, you're all, you're three of you are doing the same kind of music. Why don't you just come together as one and I'll sign you? So we're like, you know, okay, sounds good. And I remember he, he had to sit down on that couch. You remember the couch that had like the laser disc player in front of it? Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'll be right back. And he comes back with a guitar, an acoustic guitar. Because, you know, Luke's a decent guitar player. And he starts playing. He goes, all right, guys, three rappers. I want you to sing this one, you know? And he starts playing La Bamba. And so we're like, <laughs> we're sitting there in the game room. And we're like, la Bamba. And it's like, what? what on earth is going on here? But... Uh, uh, but that, that was that was shortly after you came down, and I remember, mm-hmm. I, I you know we didn't have a lot of experience doing choreography. I don't think you did either at the time, and mm-hmm. they or maybe Insync was just the other guys were way more advanced, so they would send you to our choreography lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started in that karate studio, remember yeah, the karate, the karate studio? studio. Yeah, oh my god, and with Robert Hawkes. Yeah, and they'd give uh-huh. us uh, pencils for microphones, and it was like, you know. But then we, you know, we we graduated to the. Uh, to the blimp warehouse and um, yep. i remember we had a chance to go overseas and play a few shows backing up trey d and i remember coming back and being at rehearsal and and, and you guys i think you guys were just finishing and i don't know if i think it was justin but one, you guys were like my gosh i heard you guys played a show and like fans were screaming for you mm. <laughs> was like, well it's coming up soon for you guys man that was awesome Hey LA, Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. From epic shopping to nonstop pride events, discoverla.com is your gateway to everything LA. From walk-up windows and rooftop bars to year-round alfresco dining, Los Angeles is a culinary thrill ride sure to leave visitors hungry for more. From tacos to sushi, we truly have some of the best restaurants. After you get a bite to eat, get a taste for fame firsthand by attending a star ceremony on Hollywood Boulevard or glyphs behind the scenes at World Famous Studio Tour. Stop and see a movie at the iconic El Capitan Theater and check out the stairs outside the Dolby Theater where all the stars walk before the Oscars. 
Take a hike at Glamorous Griffith or stop for a boba or a draft cold brew at an outdoor cafe perfect for people watching. There are endless amounts of outdoor activities in L.A. with our beautiful weather. And, of course, Pride is celebrated every day in Los Angeles. Everyone is welcome to experience our sparkling nightlife, indulgent spas, and sensational shopping. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's time to leave your mark in the City of Angels. Lance Bass, signing off. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. It was such a fun time. I'm, I'm glad you got to experience the whole, yeah, the blimp hanger, 150 degree, you know, temperature no water. trying to perform. Oh, yeah, no water. Like, yeah, we were, no we were water. tortured, basically. We were tortured. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing I remember, yeah, Carrie Seller, too. Uh, I think we, have we heard Carrie on the show before? She was, she's David Archuleta's manager now. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, she was probably the first person I met in Orlando. So she was at the house when I met the guys. Um, she was working with Transcon and kind of, I don't know what her official job was, but she was kind of, I don't know, maybe hurting us. <laughs> she was the cat She herder. was like a babysitter. Yeah, she was the babysitter. Yeah. Um, but I remember Carrie Sellards told me about Rich and Brian, and she's like, I have these friends. You know, I, I think they're super talented. They want to, you know, come down here and meet Lou, and, you know, I'd love them to get signed to Transcon. So they brought 
them to our house that we lived in. And I want to say Brian and Rich stayed with us. I think they spent the night at our house. Um, and we're the ones who told Lou, we're like, Lou, you've got to listen to these guys. These guys are awesome. I, you've got to sign these guys, you know, just because we loved Carrie so much because we didn't really even, I don't think we even heard them rap yet. <laughs> but we're like, Lou, you've got to sign these guys. And then I guess that's when they went over to Lou's house, met you, y'all sang La Bamba. I guess he was thinking maybe a <laughs> Spanish hip hop act. He's like, yeah, La Bamba rap. He's got lots of ideas. Tomato, tomato. He had lots of ideas, lots of ideas. Um, so when did Brian drop out? Because this is, this is where it gets fuzzy for me because this is when – you know, we did the whole German thing, and then we came to America. Y'all started in Germany also. When did Brian fizzle out, and when did Devin come into play? Yeah, so like like you guys, you know, we started in, in Germany. And um, you remember the fans in Germany, man. They were rabid, right? It was oh, like yes. You didn't have to even – you didn't – you know, like in, in our case, they didn't buy our records, but they would camp out in the hotel mm-hmm. lobbies. You know what I mean? So it's like we had no money, but we couldn't leave our room. Right. That kind of deal, you know? <laughs> That's exactly what you want. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we played, we did toured Backstreet, we toured with you guys. Um, we had modest success, you know, they, you know, enough to where you couldn't leave your hotel room. But like I said, nobody was buying the records. And by the end of 97, it was like, okay, you know, it seemed like we were, we were kind of done. Like it just didn't, it wasn't going to work. And at the time, the States were still like the Mecca. Like, oh my gosh, imagine being released in the States. I think Backstreet had maybe just started. You guys are getting ready to start being released in the States. Mm-hmm. And then early 98, a small label under BMG decided they wanted to release us in the States. And we were like, holy cow. Like it was like we couldn't believe it, you know. So I flew, you know, flew back to uh to the States. And I remember we played some shows with you guys. I remember playing like a putt-putt or something where there was like 30 people mm-hmm. in 1998. You remember yeah. those? Yeah, we shows? did those. We would do those little little club gigs where they'd have like four mics, not five, or either like one of the mics would have a cord and all the rest would be, you know, cordless. So you had to really, you know, kind of work around a lot of those videos. Or the, what about the European team clubs where none of the mics actually worked? Oh, yeah. It's just like five. I know. Well, they were so confused when we would come to Europe because – you know, we like to, you know, sing live and they're not yeah. used to people singing live. It was always lip syncing. True. Yeah. Yeah. So Start, when we especially were especially on TV, I mean, oh TV, my God. it was like, you could not sing live. I don't think they even had mics no, that worked. They weren't capable. Either. I remember one time we forced ours. I think Vet and Doss is the only show that we could actually sing live, but all the yeah. other shows, you know, MTV, everything were like, no, we're singing live. We have to prove ourselves. And then the first time that we did, and it sounded like crap because they're just not prepared for it. We're like, okay, yeah. we'll lip sync from now on. We're good. We're good. Any TV? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did you find Devin? Y'all did an open uh, audition, right? No, we didn't. So, you know, we, we started touring in the States in 98. And again, we started making some waves. Like there was, you know, we're in, we're in the teen magazines. We toured with LL Cool J. We played some shows with you guys. But, you know, it's like we always kind of look, you know, I think one of the, the tough parts about being part of the camp and was like we look at the other artists and see like where they're at, what kind of videos they're shooting. And I mean, and you want the you want the same, you know, but you guys in Backstreet have really kind of taken off huge and we were still on a small label. And so I remember one time we were with Lou. Do you remember the stage deli in New York City? Yes. Yeah, so oh, yeah. we're sitting there, sitting there at the stage daily, three of us, and um, and I, I took like uh, I don't know, like a ketchup bottle, and said, "This is RCA," and you know, mayo, and said, "This is this is Arista," and uh, mustard, and said, "This is uh, Sony," 
and I took like three sugar packets. I said, either we go here, we go here, we go here, and then I spread the sugar packets apart. I said, oh, we're done. Like basically, like you got to get us a bigger deal. We've gone as far as we can go on the small label. And so he wound up setting up a showcase for us with Clive Davis. It was out at some convention in San Diego, and they set up a whole live performance set up in a, a conference room out there. And it was just like Clive and a couple of his uh, A&R guys and, and one of the guys from Germany, like five, six people, Dakari, you know? And we put on like a half an hour show for Clive. And this was towards the end of 98. And and, and uh, he liked it. And very early part of 99, I think January, we toured, we had a tour over in England. I don't know if you remember any of those tours where they would like lure you over there with, you're going to have a luxury minibus aka minivan you know what i mean (laughs) so yeah we did this horrible tour of like literally we played like kindergarten libraries teen clubs with with teen clubs with fake mics and we're and we're doing like three shows a day and they have us we're thinking like we're going to london they say oh you're going to stay in london they had to stay in wimbledon but Mm. during the winter time there's nobody in wimbledon you know what i mean so it was just we were miserable but um Mm. I was like the first you know, time Lou took us to uh, New York and we're th- it was my first time like to go to New York City, Manhattan. Oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. My first trip. Um, and then he put us like deep into Queens somewhere, like just where oh, there was man. nothing around, nothing. like nothing. I'm like, well, this is fun. But of course, us teenagers sneak out of the hotel at midnight, walking around Queens like so idiots bad. and found an arcade right. somewhere. <laughs> played games yeah it could have been dangerous it could have been but but we were done you know anyhow towards the end of 98 early 99 we uh we experienced rich and i experienced the separation with brian and in the meantime um a guy named mike caputo who's like a boston-based manager was still like to me he's one of my best friends and, and really like the fourth member of lfo but he um he was managing devin at the time and um and I think through Dakari, he brought Devin into the mix. And, um, you know, it, the long story short is uh, Devin joined. And and then Clive Davis decided to uh, to sign us. That's great. Now, explain who Dakari is to everyone. Dakari, for, he's a music producer. For LFO, um, he was one of the most important people in our world. He really helped us to find our sound. He really helped us to develop our show. Um, and, you know, he was, he really instilled a lot of confidence in us. And I still, you know, I still keep up with him. Um, really, He was your Robin Wiley. Yeah, in a way he was, man. I mean, he, you know, we, we weren't, you know, we obviously our show was, was a lot different than yours. You were not singing in harmonies and, but he, you know, he helped us to really find our, you know, our, our basis was in hip hop, you know, and, and he really helped us to find our sound, to develop a show. And he just kind of, he just instilled a lot of confidence. You know, he's a very positive guy, you know, um, and you know, how some producers, they would just drive you crazy in the studio. You know, it's like, you know, just, you, you didn't feel great while you're recording, but, you know, with Dakari, it was just like always positive, always positive. Yeah. And just a really important part of of the LFO story, and so um, yeah, man. So we got signed uh, to Arista Records with with Clive Davis, and um, things got interesting from there because I yeah. I think the initial plan, you know, because 
you you remember right when you, when you first get signed to the major it's like you'll sing any song they tell you to sing right it was like you're just happy to be signed we would have sang happy birthday if clive said sing happy birthday you know and um they started and back then too remember they would always want to connect you with these big producers these big songwriters um and so they had these different songs for us but not really what necessarily we would really like but hey it's clive davis we'll do whatever he wants but we had a couple of songs that we really, really wanted Clive to listen to. And one of them was Summer Girls. And I remember we, we had a meeting with Clive one day in his office. And I told Rich before the meeting, I said, we have to play him Summer Girls. And he goes, no, man, no way. And where did you, you find know? Summer Girls? How did y'all come across that song? Well, we wrote it. Oh, yeah, really? Rich, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Rich, Rich, wrote, Rich wrote the lyrics. What a bop. And so... uh we're sitting in his office and we're just meeting, you know, he's talking about Woody Houston, Carlos Santana, whatever else, you know, his butler's bringing him his lunch, you know? <laughs> and uh, I said, Hey, Clive, we have a song we want to play for you. And Rich was like, yeah, he was like, Oh my gosh. So he pops it in the, I don't know if it was a tape player or a CD player. And he listens to it. He goes, okay, that's a, that's a nice song. We can put that on the album. We can put Good that impression. on the album. And so we started like freaking out because, you know, back then it was, it was unusual for a boy band to get a song on the album. And so, um, and so we were really excited. We, we go back to the studio recording some more. Meanwhile, do you remember, uh, obviously you remember Z100 mm -hmm. and um, one of the characters on the morning show was dude, Greg T. They called him Greg T, the frat boy. They would have him do all sorts of crazy things like break into Martha Stewart's house and just right. crazy stuff. So, um, there was a program director in uh, the D.C. area that had received a copy of some girls from our old label. Like he was just kind of sending it around to get, you know, to get some feedback. And this one particular day, he was just looking for a summer song to play and was like rifling through some CDs and listened to it, liked it, put it on the air. This guy, Greg T. from Z100, was driving through D.C. at the time on his way home from a trip with his girlfriend. His girl, they hear the song. His girlfriend starts freaking out how much she loves the song. He calls the radio station, asks what song it is. He said he literally heard the guy like rifling through CDs to try to figure it out. He got the name of the song. He tracked it down and he brought it to Z100 and, and told, told the PD and told the morning show, like, you guys got to hear this song. And then one Friday morning, they devoted their entire morning show to Summer Girls. Oh, wow. And then it, it's it started exploding on Z100, which is like the biggest radio station in the country. Meanwhile, Arista wasn't ready for that, and they actually tried to stop it. And then Z100 was like, listen, we're not stopping. And, and then other radio stations followed. And so it was like, okay, this is real. We got we to gotta finish getting the album together. And the other thing that did for us is it gave them the confidence in us to write more songs for the record. And so the follow-up to that girl on TV Mm -hmm. something that that we wrote and west side story a few other songs so oh, yeah. but that's 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 how summer girls you know you know i, I think love, if we would i love stories like that yeah. because it's in yeah. in true back then radio made you like i mean you you could not be anything without radio they made and broke artists Right, but how often did a radio station play a song without being solicited by an independent right. promoter? Like never, hardly ever. Never, man. Never. It's like, yeah. Greg, yeah. T, Greg T and I were talking about that the other day. I did his podcast a couple weeks ago, and it's such an unusual story because it's just not the way radio happens. It, mm -hmm. it does not happen that way. And so, um, 
yeah, that, that's obviously set things off. And Summer Girls was, you know, a number one hit. Yeah. Bob with Girl on TV was a big hit. And what was your favorite turkey? I think Girl on TV was your favorite. Girl on TV. Yeah. yeah. And that was about Jennifer Love Hewitt, right? Or is that a rumor? Girl on TV, in one way, it helped us sell a lot more records. And in another way, it, I think it cost us a lot of records. Yeah. So um, we had the same publicist as Jennifer Love Hewitt. And Rich was really infatuated with her. Yeah. And we were getting ready to do, uh, I don't know, one of the award shows in California. It could have been like Kids' Choice or, you know, one of the many award shows. And she was going to be there. And, you know, I don't know I don't know how well you knew Rich, but he would get really nervous yeah. for big things, you know? Mm-hmm. His face would turn red. He would just, you know, he just was, he'd get kind of angry. And so we're in the limo driving to the show and he is, he's drinking out. You remember how the limos had like those glass bottles of vodka and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. he's drinking and he's like, he goes, Brad, he goes, stay away from her. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, don't go bad in those eyelashes at her. I said, <laughs> I said, dude, I said, I was, I had no plan to like, he goes, listen, you stay away from her. I'll give you my publishing for summer girls. And I was like, <laughs> Cool. Say, so I'll take the publishing so, and yes, yeah. I'll stay away. <laughs> you could have the girl. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. so so they needed this award show, and um, and it, she he, she really inspired him, and and we had the track for Girl on TV already, and I think that night he went back and and wrote most of Girl on TV about her, and um, problem was. Uh, she was either still was or just had finished being Carson Daly's girlfriend. Yeah. And so Uh we were on, we were on TRL one time and um, with Carson, and you remember TRL, like he had the glass wall and all the fans were out in the street going crazy. And, and uh, so, you know, we're just, he's, we're just talking. I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. Maybe the new album was coming out. And then he goes, and this is off script. He goes, so, I hear you have a new song. And we're like, what? He goes, girl on TV. He goes, who's that about? Oh. And Rich was like, not a word. Even and even myself, which I, I do pretty well under pressure. I didn't know what to say. And Devin, the guy who never really speaks at all. He just sings and riffs. Mm. He comes in and saves the day. Like, oh, you know, any girl you like in the movies, whatever. But that kind of, okay, we kind of got the hint, like, okay, Carson's on to this thing. And then we had the audacity to put Jennifer Love Hewitt in the video. And <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know, that was cool because it made the video extra cool. But when the guy who hosts the biggest show on MTV is supposed to play your video. Mm-hmm. So you remember back then, like the big thing was to have the TRL world premiere, right? That's where you wanted your video to premiere. Yeah. So initially, that's where it was going to be. And then they said, no, we're not doing that. It's just going to be a world premiere, some other time slot, which was like, okay, not so bad. And then it was, we're just adding it to rotation. And so that's a big problem. You know what I mean? I think obviously this song still did really well and still sold a lot of copies and was was a pretty big hit. But I don't know, man, the... Uh, the drama. <laughs> but Carson yeah. cock blocked you. Because uh, Rich and Love, they did date after that, right? I mean, weren't they? Yeah. They, like, yeah. yeah. yeah, I yeah remember they did for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, we, you know, we, we made amends with Carson and yeah. we wound up going back on. Remember, they did TRL down in Key West. I think it was 2001. And 
went down there with him and but i i yeah i remember said, that and then yeah, he found someone, tara reed oh did he yeah did carson day tara reed? did he yes i don't remember uh, research in turchin okay I think, i'll look that up i think carson so, and, yeah someone someone said this and, and i can't confirm if it's true but apparently on the last episode of trl um one of, one of the last things carson said was some sort of some sort of dig at lfo i don't know if that's true or not but i hope it is because that would make it a good story oh my gosh but well, um, you get free rent in his brain that's what they say yeah, uh, yeah. Um, what does how did you come up with light funky ones like what, what well, how, who came up with it you know in our minds it doesn't stand for light funky ones oh no um, it's you know it started with rich as this blonde-haired green-eyed rapper in boston you know a teenager and they just nicknamed him the Light Funky One because Rich was literally, he was one of the greatest rappers who ever lived. Yeah, he was great. You wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily hear it, you know, in our music, but if, if you gave him like a beat and a microphone, his freestyle was crazy, man. He was so creative. And so they would call him the Light Funky One. And then when he met Brian, they just decided to be the Light Funky Ones. And, and then when, you know, when uh, when I got added and we got signed, we just went by Light Funky Ones, LFO. And then we dropped the Life Funky Ones part because we realized at some point, maybe when it hit 20, that it was whack. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, uh, over, over in Germany, there's, still, there's uh, like a techno group called LFO. Uh, and so they still had the trademark. So in, in the Europe, you'll see us as LFO and then underneath it, Life Funky Ones. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I don't even care. Just like back then, we hated being called a boy band. These days. Exactly. So I don't really and care. And I was going to say that because we all hated being called boy bands, but even like the most boy bandy of boy bands, <laughs> we hated being called boy band because when we all started in the nineties, there was no such thing. Uh, we just wanted to be respected and like, I'm a man. Yeah. And the, well, the term boy band, especially over in Europe, it just became like we were talking about earlier, lip syncing. It was, you know, it was manufactured by a label. It just wasn't very authentic at all. So you didn't want to be associated with that because you wanted people to see that you were talented. And you, you know, we wanted to stand out. So anytime you were called boy band, you're like, ugh, cringe. But I would imagine with your group, because you aren't the typical boy band, you know, you're not doing the crazy choreography um, and doing all the harmonies. I mean, y'all were like rapping, right? Um, how did y'all deal with, I mean, did they immediately start calling you a boy band just because you were three guys in a group? Or did they have, like, how did they market you at first? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, they, they definitely did. And um you know, remember in Germany, dude, like we we all like I, I know you do too. There's so many pictures of those days that I wish would disappear forever. <laughs> yep. And I mean, like I like mean Max you, Martin guys... literally just posted a picture of us because I want you back, just turned 26 years old. Mm -hmm, 26. And he put a picture when I first landed in Sweden and we were recording I Want You Back, our very first song. And you know, I'm still I think I just turned 17. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how old I was, 17, but I was on Accutane because, you know, you had a few pimples, but, you know, Lou Dude, I was just that, talking about Accutane at the same doctor's office two days ago because oh, I was no, there with my kids. Yeah. I was there with my kids and, and I still go to the same doctor's office that you and I went to. And no she's way. like, well, did you ever take Accutane? So I said, yeah. I said, so Dr. Karate put me and Lance on Accutane back in 1996. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I mean, because Justin had done it and it you know, worked for him. And they're like, you know, you have a few pimples, kid. You know, kid, you're 17. But if you take Accutane, it'll get rid of all that. So I did that. But Accutane, you know, pushes everything out for a good oh, yeah. six months. So these pictures of when we do I Want You Back, I look like 
someone had just like hit me across the face with a baseball bat. Um, it was just hard. And so, yeah, he posted that picture this week. I'm like, good Lord, use a filter, Max Martin. <laughs> Seriously, um, man. Like, yeah. And just, and how about the, like the teen magazines over there that make you dress up in such wacky clothes? Oh my gosh. Of the best. Here, wear the skunk costume. Especially Why? you guys. Especially you guys. I oh remember, my God. Like, you guys dressed up as like Easter bunnies or something oh, yeah? crazy like that. And they then, painted us gold for a cover. Like we would yeah. do anything because... You know, we we had to do everything. We were trying to catch up to the Backstreet Boys. So if a magazine yeah. even wanted to interview us, like, yes. It's like, oh, you want to put us in dresses? Sure, we'll do it. I mean, just whatever yeah. they asked, we did. Well, and always trying well, to take your shirt off. Oh, take your shirt off, kids. Take your shirt off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was. I think that's really the only reason people liked me back then. But anyhow, <laughs> so... So, you know, it's like, so, so yeah, they were, they, they consider us a boy band and, you know, back then it's like, you know, you got the hair, they, they load a, a bunch of makeup on you. And, mm -hmm. But we, it was such a negative connotation back then, like, like you, we did not want to be considered that. And I remember one time we were doing a live TV show in Germany and we had the bright idea of writing across my chest with a Sharpie. We ain't no boy band. And at uh. the end of our set, and the other side, I pulled up my shirt on live TV. Mm -hmm. We ain't no boy band. Ooh, that did not go down very, very good. Well, that could have uh, gone either the, way, the but yeah. Because <laughs> the fans are, I mean, look, we love our fandoms out there, but you don't mess with the boy band fandoms. They will cut you. Wow. All right. Um, all right, let's take a little break. When we come back, uh, I have some fan questions for you. So don't go anywhere. Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. From epic shopping to nonstop pride events, DiscoverLA.com is your gateway to everything L.A. From walk-up windows and rooftop bars to year-round alfresco dining, Los Angeles is a culinary thrill ride sure to leave visitors hungry for more. From tacos to sushi, we truly have some of the best restaurants. After you get a bite to eat, get a taste for fame firsthand by attending a star ceremony on Hollywood Boulevard or glyphs behind the scenes at World Famous Studio Tour. Stop and see a movie at the iconic El Capitan Theater and check out the stairs outside the Dolby Theater where all the stars walk before the Oscars. Take a hike at Glamorous Griffith or stop for a boba or a draft cold brew at an outdoor cafe perfect for people watching. There are endless amounts of outdoor activities in L.A. with our beautiful weather. And, of course, Pride is celebrated every day in Los Angeles. Everyone is welcome to experience our sparkling nightlife, indulgent spas, and sensational shopping. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's time to leave your mark in the City of Angels. Lance Bass, signing off. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. 
In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. We're back with Brad Fischetti. All right, so um, I have some fan questions for you, and let's see what you think. Okay, Kitty Trash Panda, which is a great name. Kitty Trash Panda. <laughs> Great name. Um, oh, we already answered this one. Is it true you were Lou Perlman's limo driver? Yes, indeed. And got my parents lost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is your? It wasn't. It wasn't your future. It just wasn't. Um, what's your favorite LFO song by Moonchild Thirty Five? My favorite LFO song is from the first record, a song called "Baby Be Mine." Baby Be Mine. Okay. Yeah, Dakari uh, produced and co-wrote yeah. that one. Nice. Okay. I'll check that one out. What is one thing not a lot of people know about Rich and Devin? This is from Sarah, Sarah Iggy. Ooh, Sarah Iggy. The... I know. I know. Sarah, I know that. Oh, yeah. From, uh, by, I recognize some of the uh, screen names you recognize from right. years past. You know? mm-hmm. um, I, I guess some people know that Rich was, when he was on, was like literally the funniest person on the planet. Mm-hmm. He, he commanded a room like, like nobody else. Especially when um, he had a drink. <laughs> oh, forget about it. Well, he he had a name for it. I think he called it personality or something. Yeah, yeah, they gave um, a little personality. Yeah, yeah. But he he was just the funniest guy on mm-hmm. the planet. Yeah. Um, and you know, Devin, you know, Devin really grew to be uh, an extraordinary musician and really like a philosopher. Like, because when when we met Devin, he just sang. You know what I mean? He barely spoke. When he would wake up in the morning, he would like. You know, he'd stand over the toilet. You, know, you hear him going, whoa, whoa. like he yeah. just sang, you know. And when we took our hiatus, boy band where it broke up, yep. um, he spent like five years in his house, just like studying music, um, studying instruments, reading a lot. He read the entire dictionary, and he came out of that like. And then he started getting into meditation. Like he literally meditated for like a year or two straight. Like you, he just, you couldn't get a word out of him, but he just became this really amazing sort of philosopher. And he just, um, I don't know people didn't get a chance to see that, that side of him. Yeah, no, we didn't. And, you know, and to get into, you know, the sad part of all this, you know, you do an amazing tribute on the pop 2000 tour, um, uh, you know, for your, for your brothers in the band um, that has to, take a lot of energy out of you every single night you hit that stage when you when you do that you know tribute to them so 
how do you stay positive, you know, with such sadness around your group? You know, at some point when you're faced with adversity, you, you have to choose light or darkness, you know? And um, when, you know, like you mentioned, Rich, Rich passed away in 2010 after battling leukemia for five years. Um, we were devastated, as were a lot of the fans. But, you know, I, had, I still had Devin. Thankfully, he was not only my bandmate, but my best friend. And we lived in town and actually lived in my garage for a couple of years. <laughs> and uh, um, and we brought LFO back on the road in, in 2017. Um, in 2016, uh, Jeff Timmons from 90 Degrees and I were texting back and forth. And he mentioned that, that they uh, tributed LFO during their uh, My 2K tour. And kind of half joking, I said, hey, man, I said, if you ever want us to do a cameo, let me know. And he goes, all right, pick a date. And, I, you know, I looked at the uh, calendar and they were playing Coney Island. And that's, that's where we shot the Summer Girls video. So we flew up there. We did our part. It was like, you know, 30 seconds long. But the crowd, you know, really kind of went crazy. And three days later, I got a call from an agent asking if we'd bring LFO back on the road. And that wasn't something that Devin and I ever really considered. Um but I prayed about it a lot. Um, tried to like examine where my heart was, where my where, where were my intentions. You know, my intentions were clear. My heart was pure. Like it was like, how can we honor Rich? How can we bring the fans back to a simple little time? And then obviously, there's opportunity to help support your family. And so we did that tour in '17, man. And it was really um, we 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 brought the whole band out. I drove the tour bus. We slept at truck stops. You know. And um, a month after the tour, Devin got sick. Now, you know, for those who don't know Devin, he was like the most fit dude you could ever meet. Yeah. Kind of like the guy sitting right next to you, like just Diesel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. What about me, Brad? Oh, what about me? <laughs> what about you? Lance, I mean, you're, you, you know, you've gotten more handsome as, as the years have gone on. But oh, this guy next down. to you is, the guy next to you is real fit. Yeah, but, he is. <laughs> but, you know, Devin was strong and he ate good, had very little stress. and then he just felt this weird pain in his stomach and it turned out he had a tumor in the size of a football, ah, yeah, yeah. Um, primary adrenal cancer. So the, the adrenal gland sits on top of the kidney and it's like a one in a million cancer, which I guess is appropriate for a one in a million kind of guy. Yeah. And um, he had a surgery that we thought would be curative, you know, it took out the tumor and, and the kidney and, um, but it had spread to his bones and to his blood and yeah. yeah. I just, I was so out of the blue for sure. Cause with Rich, you know, Rich, did he go into remission at one point? Yeah. He, you know, Rich battled for five years. He had, you know, he, um, he had chemo and then I think mm -hmm. he went into remission and then he had a, a stem cell transplant. Right. Cause so with when, that when stem, stem cell, doesn't it, it like, it changed the, like the look of well, his face too. Well, what, what happened was when the stem cells, and I don't know the scientific way to say this, but when yeah. they don't match up perfectly, yeah. You can get a disease called graft versus host disease and the graft versus host disease is really what did him in um and he suffered he had, at one point during treatment he had a stroke he just was really even we actually brought lfo back on the road in 2009 um and we did one last tour and he was really sick at the time but but we let him you remember the back lounge of the tour bus we gave the whole lounge to him that was his domain during the day, he would sleep, 
Devin and I would do the press, we would do the sound checks, and then we'd we'd help him get dressed, help him get to the stage. And as soon as he was like, you know, on the stage with his mic stand, he was good and he would rock the shows. And then, you know, a few months after the tour, I'd heard that he was having trouble walking. So I texted him like, hey man, I hear you're having trouble walking. I figured there's no better way to get you out of bed than the tour. So what do you think? Let's let's schedule another tour. And he didn't respond. And a couple of weeks after that was his birthday, texted him, no response. And then like a week after that, I found out that um, that he had passed away. But with Devin, it happened quick, man. It was like he got diagnosed in the fall of, of uh, 17. And um, he was gone a year later, man. He really, it, wow. you know, cancer is, cancer does not discriminate, as you guys know. We've all mm-hmm. experienced losses. But, he, you know, Devin, he really suffered. And um, uh, it was just a dev- it was devastating, and it really was like when when Devin died, it was like the last straw for me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Now and, I know you are and, uh, you're a man of God for sure. And did this make you uh, turn to God even more after this, or have you always been a church man? You know, I, I really wasn't a church man. I grew up going to church occasionally, like. I don't know how often, but it wasn't like our weekends revolved around church. We didn't pray at the dinner table, anything like that. Um, and then sort of in the height of LFO, I actually lost my faith altogether. Um, and, you know, that's a whole nother story. But, you know, I sort of came back, came back to it uh, after going through some really tough times. And so, yeah, I'm definitely a believer uh, and I've learned to stay for me personally like it's important that i really stay tight to my my faith i think it helps keep me moving in the right direction now when Devin died i i I didn't i didn't go through like a crisis where i didn't i didn't uh, believe anymore but i spent a lot of time screaming begging god not to take him you know um when he was getting real sick just like please don't take him you know and um but when he died you know I, I honestly, I just went into the darkness, man. Like I mentioned it at the Aaron Carter thing, but it's like, it's like somebody pulled a hood over my eyes, you know? And I just really went dark. I found no joy in anything. I was sad. I was mad. And uh, eventually my wife's like, you, you got to do something. You can't live this way. At the time I had, at the time I had um, five kids and, um, so, you know, I just decided to get some help, man. It's like we get to a point in our lives where we have to make a choice, light or darkness. And, and as men, we have to be vulnerable enough to say, I need some help. You know, we're always so quick to make sure that our bodies are in order and getting our physicals and working out. But I think with men, especially when things don't feel so great in the brain, mm-hmm. we're hesitant to get we're hesitant to get some help. And so I did. I went to my primary doctor, gave me a questionnaire sent me immediately to a psychiatrist, met with my therapist, met with my pastor, tried to eat better, tried to work out more, tried to spend some time with, with my friends. And, you know, eventually, eventually I got through the, the darkness. Now, there's, there's certain losses we experience in life that I don't think anybody, you just can't get over. And that's, you know, Devin is one of them. Um, we were just, our closeness was just, it's hard to describe. Um, and it still blows my mind that is gone but 
we have a choice. And so what am I going to do? Sit around and cry and soak? Yeah. Or am I going to try to live like they would want me to live? And so yeah. And you have a beautiful, beautiful life. I mean, one, you have an incredible legacy that you're going to be leaving just, you know, like Devin and Rich. What is the legacy that you would like to leave? Is it your family? Because you have, you know, beautiful family. Uh, I mean, your life is amazing right now. But what is what when you when you leave this planet, what is the legacy you'd like people to remember you? I guess the I guess the greatest thing that someone could say of a person is that they were a good father, a good husband, honest, genuine, generous, right? Um, somebody who, you know, you think about like, like in scripture talks about like, you know, feeding the poor and clothing the, the naked and visiting the imprisoned and people who are in hospital. Those are important things in my life, you know? And um, the musical legacy that I, I have the unfortunate honor to nurture at this point is a beautiful thing. And I, and I know a lot of folks will remember me for that opportunity or that, that, that part of my life, but, but being my kids looking back and saying, Oh, he was, a, he was a good dad. You know, I think, you know, that's, that's the thing that would be most important to me or my wife saying, Oh, he was a good husband mm-hmm. or, um, you know, people at church going like, Oh, you know, he helped, he helped me with this or he, he did a lot to feed the poor. Those are important things, but you know the legacy that Devin and Rich left behind. Um, and I, I every day I pray and I, I thank them for for that legacy. You know, I I, I I'm not the guy, dude. Like like I never wanted to stand on stage by myself ever. You know what I mean? Um, it just that wasn't my aspiration. You know, Rich and Devin wanted to be solo artists. I never wanted that. So the fact that I'm the guy standing there trying to honor them is it's just I don't know what the word is for it, but, but I take it seriously. And, you know, when I'm on the pop 2000 tour, you, you know, I got the old time guys that are up there with me and on stage and you've been, you've been up there with me too, mm-hmm. Saratoga Springs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do a show called the LFO story where I have my bands and I just tell the whole story from 1974 when Rich was born till today, playing music of the time, music that inspired us, our own music, and then sharing some of these personal stories throughout the concert as well so it's a very interesting life man it's you know the yeah. the lfo story is um it's definitely a tragedy but um and what we all went through with with perlman which is you know everybody knows about it's like we could all just go out oh, the hell with it this is a horrible story but um i don't know if that really when we're faced with these kind of these kind of difficult things, it's like, well, don't don't let the negative pull it down. Let's mm-hmm. try to bring something positive out out exactly. of what was a negative situation or a tragic it, situation. It so, makes you in the person who you are today. And I know a lot of people say, you know, people, it's not what you do; it's how you make people feel. And the way you make people feel is everyone does feel your kindness. That's what I always hear about you. It's like God, he's like the most kind person and just wants to take care of others. Um, and that, that is a legacy right there. That is a beautiful thing to leave everyone with. I appreciate it. Um, when, when the whole thing went down with Lou, like, I don't even know how close you were when he went to prison. Like we had been away from him for years, but I'm assuming he was more like family to you than he was to us. But when all that started going down, where we found out about the Ponzi schemes and all this, were you surprised at that? And were you in contact with him at that point? I've been out of contact with him for a few years. I don't yeah. honestly I don't I don't remember. I guess it was maybe like two thousand and five or so when yeah. uh 
when I lost contact with him. I don't remember what, what year things went down with him, but, uh, you know, you know, as you know, dude, Lou was a, he was a very, very troubled soul. And, and there was no real middle ground with him. Right. Yeah. There was parts of him that were great. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he was a lot of fun to hang around with. He liked to go to nice dinners. He liked to go to the movies. You know, he, he invested a, a, a lot of money into a, a bunch of kids that you know didn't have much of a history um but then all the bad stuff that he was involved with obviously came out um that greed will start eating at you you know and i told him one time Lance, i i told him one time i said dude i said you could have you could have had an empire you a could have been the next clive clive, yeah. clive davis all you had to do was go okay it's time to renegotiate these contracts. Yeah, just be fair. Mm -hmm. Just be fair. Because I don't know. I mean, we had the same lawyer as you guys, but you know, it cost us like two hundred thousand dollars. And and you know what it came down to? You know, the lawyer. Remember, the lawyer was like, oh, "Don't talk to Lou. Don't talk to Lou." And I sat down with him at the Palm Steakhouse in Orlando at the end of it and said, "Here's the five remaining issues. Let's work them out right now." Mm -hmm. And we did. You know what I mean? But if he would have just renegotiate with all of us we would all stay loyal to him and he would have been like you said the next motown yeah. but like you said greed greed is uh one i guess a very deadly sin yeah. and uh yeah. it's unfortunate because he had he had good attributes but he was a very troubled yeah. troubled soul and uh, i just think he got in over his head where he needed all this money like he knew he was stealing from us but he was you know creating a ponzi scheme in every single business that he had so he had to pay these people off so he was using our money to be able to do that so i think he was just uh, way over his head his whole entire career <laughs> that's crazy yeah i mean he, he definitely was a creative guy you know yeah. he was very smart you know mm -hmm. very smart and creative but it's a, it's a shame that that his legacy is uh is what it is but yeah, no. but on the good side if it wasn't for him you know, you and I wouldn't be talking right exactly. now. Exactly. So. I mean, we have to look at the positive things like this. Everyone oh, yeah. goes through, especially in the entertainment industry, you hear this story over and over and over. I'm pretty much, I would say 90% of artists go through someone like a Lou Pearlman. So it, you know, and they always say, well, you learn something, right? So, and I think we did. It, it really taught me a lot uh, about what to look out for and really treat this like a business. Because when you get into this at a young age, like we did, it's, you're not thinking of it as a business. This no. is just fun. Like, I can't believe I get to do this. I mean, I'll pay you to be able to do yeah, this, right? Uh, for sure. But then you realize, wait, wait a minute. This is a business and people are making a lot of money off of us and we're not getting our fair share. So, you know, you mature and you start to realize, you know, when you grow up that, wow, I need to take control of my own business here. And yes. we all did. We all did. And we learned at a, an early age, which is nice to have that lesson early on in life. Hey LA, Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. From epic shopping to nonstop pride events, discoverla.com is your gateway to everything LA. From walk-up windows and rooftop bars to year-round alfresco dining, Los Angeles is a culinary thrill ride sure to leave visitors hungry for more. From tacos to sushi, we truly have some of the best restaurants. After you get a bite to eat, get a taste for fame firsthand by attending a star ceremony on Hollywood Boulevard or glimpse behind the scenes at world-famous studio tour. Stop and see a movie at the iconic El Capitan Theater and check out the stairs outside the Dolby Theater where all the stars walk before the Oscars. 
Take a hike at Glamorous Griffith or stop for a boba or a draft cold brew at an outdoor cafe perfect for people watching. There are endless amounts of outdoor activities in L.A. with our beautiful weather. And, of course, Pride is celebrated every day in Los Angeles. Everyone is welcome to experience our sparkling nightlife, indulgent spas, and sensational shopping. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's time to leave your mark in the City of Angels. Lance Bass, signing off. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, so I have a little question here before I let you go. Uh, I want to see... If you can remember what you answered in a 1999 Bop Magazine article, all right? <laughs> now think, Brad Fischetti, 1999, get into that that era. All right. Okay. So what is your idea of a good first date? What would Brad say in 99? Oh, uh, well, what did I say in 99? I had no idea. Did I say like a, a beach or a movies or something? It is a movie. You go to a house, yours or hers, oh. and watch a movie. Oh, Netflix mm. and chill before Netflix. Netflix. You invented Netflix and chill. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> like a psychic. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. What's a bad first date? What would you not do? The ballet. 
<laughs> That's a good That's one. A... Uh, you said, don't go skiing or Disney World. <laughs> You said, don't do anything that's going to make you sweat or have body odor. Or spend a lot of money. Yeah, or that. There you go. Uh, okay. Um, and then we have uh, an interview from MTV Fanatic interview from the year 2000, 2001, one of those. Okay, so the question is, if you were on the show, who wants to be a millionaire, which one of the guys would you pick to be your lifeline? Between between Rich and Devin. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um. I mean, I guess you can back throw then, Brian in there too if you want. <laughs> back back then, I probably would have said Rich, but these days, I would I would say Devin because he just became like this amazing philosopher. And, right, uh, right. And... Okay. If you were on the show, who wants to be a millionaire? Which one of the guys would you use as your lifeline? I use Rich because he knows everything about history. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah, that was good. There you go. That's All right. Answer. And your last one from Bop Magazine, 1999. How do you get out of a bad date, Brad? This is funny this is to best. me. <laughs> Maybe like uh, food poisoning or diarrhea? No, you just said, you you said, say something like, oh my God, I've got to go. And then don't answer any more phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I got to go. And oh my God, I got to go. And then disappear. You invented ghosting too. Oh my gosh, you invented Listen. ghosting. <laughs> Guys, I'm just... Just say thank you, none of you. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You can add this to your legacy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Put that in your book. Uh, would you ever write a book? Would you do an autobiography to tell your story? Um, I don't know. People have said that to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there something that people good. don't know about you that they would be surprised you put in a book? Is there something that you've not let out yet? Well, he can't tell us. He has to save it for the book. Well, no, you put it on my podcast. Oh, okay. come on. Then, you, then it wait, saves you, you time you, from writing a book. Wait, are you Joe Rogan? Yeah, uh, yes, just call me Joe. Uh, you know, uh, I think some things are left better unsaid. So, yeah. Uh, I agree but, with you that. Know, this, yeah. yeah. But we'll see. You know, I mean, the, the story as it is, I've told a good part of it already via interviews and stuff. Um, but if, you know, the right publisher came along, I, I'd like to write books, but not necessarily an autobiography. If that makes right. sense. You know? What would yeah. you like to write about? I'm more of like a fiction guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I like, I like uh, Steinbeck. He's my favorite author. You know, mm-hmm. so I listen to a lot of that and do a lot of audio books. Yeah. Oh, I love my audio, but we're listening to the Stephen King book right now. Um, uh, what's it called? It's a uh, new one. Yeah, it's the brand new one. Oh, it's called fairy tale. It is. It's the, see, I love listening to audible books or, you know, anything like a podcast when I go to sleep, you know, I put the little timer on, I put it on like for 45 minutes and I just kind of just go to sleep listening, but it has to be a good narrator. You know, it's like, if you get a bad book, but a bad narrator can't do it. But Stephen King picks some really great actors to do it. But Stephen King books are scary, aren't they? This one is going to get scary. It hasn't yet. They're about 60 chapters in and he's still describing (laughs) what he had for breakfast. Yeah, It's Uh, a real slow moving. He's real descriptive that Stephen King, but it's, it's good. It's a good one to like put you to sleep. Yeah. It's not boring, but just, you know, rocks you to sleep a little bit until it gets scary. Yeah. 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 Then you have nightmares. Yeah. Um, Brad, how can everyone stay in touch with you out there? The social media handles are uh, the real MFO. And um, that's, you know, that's where we're at. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll be seeing you on tour. The Pop 2000 tour is going to every city near you. I mean, this, I remember when the O-Town guys put this tour together, I think it was supposed to be like six months and now it's going on for years. 
So it's not going anywhere. And of course, my boy Chris Kirkpatrick is hosting it. Uh, so go check out the Pop 2000 tour because yeah. uh, it is a really, really, really great show. So fun. And a very moving, obviously, uh, part that you do in the show. Um, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but it was great to get to know you so much better, Brad. I love having you on the show. I hope to see you very soon. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It was good seeing you guys and really nice chatting with you. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Peace. Aw, Brad Fischetti. We love him. What a great guy. It's so uh, great. Yeah, it's, you know, especially having to deal with, you know, such devastation in, in your group. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine. Because like he said, I never want to be a solo artist. No. I would hate to be on the stage by myself. Oh my it's just not my thing. But imagine if for four of the guys, all of your members yes. go. And then I'm on stage by myself having to do the in-sync catalog, bawling my eyes out. With Old Man River in between. To... <laughs> I would open up the song with, with Old, Old Man, Man River. River. It's like, well, I got a song. My like, one and gonna, only solo. We're going to lower the octave three octaves and yeah. we're going to do the whole in-sync set. <laughs> but I, I just I couldn't imagine because, I mean, those are your brothers. Um, I, it, yeah. I mean, I know it. I don't even want to imagine it right no. now. This is not good to talk no. about. This is a positive show. All right, guys. That is all the show I have for you. Who's coming up next week? Anyone know? No one. We don't know. We never know who's coming up next week. But I'm glad you're listening. We love your support out there. We love your DMs. So get us at, uh, at yes. Frosted Tips with Lance. Uh, DM us there. That's how we talk to you. Um, uh, our ladies at iHeart. Yeah, if uh, you have any questions, any yeah. remarks, any tips, we'll put them on anything. air. Do you have any tips today? We didn't have any tips. I did have uh, this. This one went long because we're trying to make these a lot longer because I know you. I, originally, I wanted this to be a 30 minute podcast. I know. Oh, no. Oh, Fans no. Don't want They're that. like, uh -uh. if it's not at least an hour, we don't even want it. Uh, so, wow, we we hear you. Yeah. And we're going to make them longer. I just thought you wanted bite sized stuff, but you don't. No, they you want don't. they want some media, and it keeps you on the treadmill for a lot longer. Exactly, I love listening to podcasts right. on treadmill. Yeah, you just walk on that treadmill. It's great. And listen it just to it us. flies by. You're like, holy crap! Yeah, you just drive around the block for an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, here's your tip: if you see a UFO, take a picture of it. Why aren't we seeing any pictures of these things? I know Alaska. All of these Alaska. images of things shooting down. Like someone take a photo. Do we not have great cameras in Alaska? They're coming to you first. All right. I know. You got to intercept these things. Sarah Palin, make yourself useful. Sarah, where are you, girl? <laughs> Put out the camera. Oh, my Can't you God. see UFOs from your house? I know. All right. I mean, a, a ring camera? Something's <laughs> got to catch these things. <laughs> ring camera. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> all right, guys. That is all the show I have for you. Of course, follow Turkey Turchin at Michael Turchin Art. Yes. And me at Lance Bass, of course. Boring. Um, and we'll see you next week on Frosted Tips with me, Lance Bass, and Turkey Turchin. Hey, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Frosted Tips with Lance and Michael Turgeon Art and at Lance Bass for all your pop culture needs. And make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars, six if you can. See you next time. Hey, LA, Lance Bass here with the latest in the City of Angels. Immerse yourself in our vibrant fashion scene where exclusive streetwear meets high-end boutiques. Stroll through styles defining our bold, wildly creative city, like the unique finds at Melrose Trading Post, a real LA gem. Explore star-studded experiences on Hollywood Boulevard, behind-the-scenes studio tours, and moments of awe under our legendary blue sky. Picture this. The iconic Griffith Observatory, inspiring directors worldwide. Plan your weekend at discoverla.com. It's the time to leave your mark in the city of angels. Lance Bass, signing off. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.